From the backwoods and the swamp waters of the Sunshine State and all across America and the world, this is the Big and Wild Outdoors with your host, Braden Gunn, Jonathan Swindle, and Bill George. It is the uh, Big and Wild Outdoors, Brent Gunn, Vince Noble, Tom Free, and Slick, and on the phones, calling all the way from some hidden uh, location in uh, somewhere Florida, Mr. Bill Alligator Killer George is on the uh, on the blower. What's happening, Billy Boy? You getting anything yet? Yeah, we got one. We we did a little Facebook Live of Addison uh, bang sticking her first alligator. She's been hunting with us about... What, about five years, Addison? Yeah, you can talk, you know. So yeah, she's been she's she just turned twelve and she's been with with me for about five years and killed a lot of big alligators and and so we got her and her dad Corey out and my daughter Belinda and we're out chasing them. No kidding! Outstanding. Now, how big an alligator is this uh, lizard that you got in the boat? I don't know. He's he's right about ten somewhere in there. That's a good eater. That's a good there you go. High, high, high nine, high nine, low ten somewhere right in there. Oh wait a minute! I see the picture. You sent me the picture. Okay. Wow, that's a thick-tailed gator, man. That's say. a lot of yeah. good. That's a lot of good chewing on there. Woo! You go, yeah. Bill. That's yeah. pretty. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you made that. You made that poor little blonde girl do all that work. Yeah, yeah. She's she's harpooning the next one. Oh, okay. We, we don't got hit the head, one Dave. for her to fight on the rod and one for her to harpoon. Very nice. So, so uh, dads are just hanging out. What, why is why everybody got binoculars? Why do you have binoculars? You can't see? Uh, not as far as I'd like to. Oh, uh, okay. What, where, or, or can you give your location or do you not want to? No, we're, we're on Lake Hancock this morning. Okay. We're on Lake Hancock. It's, it's a little breezy. We got some calm areas to work, and uh, this one this one gave us a good uh Good a bit of casting. How, how's the boat traffic out there it. today? So, yeah, really. How's the boat traffic on the lake? Uh, there's been a couple of people going into the pits on the east side to go fishing, and there's like two people hunting. Wow. So not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So I so. see you're out of the green machine. Awesome. That's yep. a lucky boat. Yep. Yeah, good for you. And uh, Good so, alligator killing boat. So you got one more tag, and then you're done? Or are you going to get well, some for, more? for today. For today. Uh, oh yeah, well I figured as much. Yeah. <laughs> you, you still have one tag tucked aside, right? Yeah. <laughs> got yeah, we, we 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 still have uh what I have four, Belinda has one, William has two, Susie has two. We still have some tags to fill. What about <laughs> man, I tell you what, you're gonna just make a million people mad. What's that? So because everybody's yeah, like, yeah, they we didn't did, get them. We definitely did that in the drawings. So Yeah. This is the second year in a row I've been skunked. Yeah, well, we we gotta we gotta put you on the Bill George plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, next year, Bill, you got my credit card. Just do it, man. Give me some tags, bro. <laughs> See, it's, it's, it's his plan seems to work. I mean, for uh, a lot of people, some people it doesn't, some people it does. I don't, I don't care. Well, it's Lake Seminole. We're, Just get me on a lake. Gonna, we're gonna have to get Vince out here and let him try and fight one of these things. I I'd like to see a. 
uh, uh, you know, him fight one, bring him up alive, you know. I've harpooned him, but I've, I've never hooked him like that, and I really want to try it. You should put in for Lake yeah. McGorry next year. Oh, wow. Lake McGorry. There's some big ones in Lake McGorry. Yeah, but I don't think uh, you can hunt Lake McGorry. You're not allowed. I don't yeah. think you are. You used, to, you used to, and then they put a ban on it. Yeah. Why? Because, because of the guy that killed the big alligator that had a name and everybody had a fit. Yeah, remember? Uh, it was oh, uh, you know, right. Big George or something. And, uh, it was like a 12 yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, it was a big boy. And then all of a sudden, uh, since it was a, apparently a pet of Pinellas County, I did not know that that was some illegal thing. That's a, that's a real thing. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't know. So uh, they're, uh, they're all pets until they, they eat a small child or somebody's dog. Yeah, and then it's well, calling it, a trapper and they uh, massacre you know 50 of them in a row. Because I'm not really sure if it was that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, the funny thing is that they got all upset, but there was a permit that had been issued to a trapper because it kept getting in by a kid's park, you know? Yeah, well, there's a park so. on the north end of there, and there's a lot of fishermen and all that other kind of stuff that down there. And then, uh, you know what it is? Uh, back in the day when they used to run the hydroplane races down on Lake Megory, it really kept the alligator population extremely low. Uh, you yeah. know, those boats going over the top of them, a uh, little over 100 miles an hour, had a way of keeping the numbers down a little bit. What, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, keeping the numbers down just a little bit, and uh, everything is uh, was okay. So uh-huh. it, it's one of those things. Hey, while I got you on the phone, I don't know if you heard this or not. Uh, I wanted to get your take on it. This gentleman named Shane Smith, he's the owner yep. of, of Red Antler Processing in Yazoo City, Mississippi. Yep. He was examining the contents of a 13-foot, 5-inch alligator that weighed 750 pounds and discovered two unusual objects in its stomach that uh, at first he didn't want to say anything about it, but then uh, his friend said, oh, dude, you need to go talk to an expert about it and see what they actually are. And um, he said, I didn't really care. He's been processing alligators for a long time. He didn't really care what was in their stomach. You know, he just kind of figured, you know, dead deer alligator, whatever, parts, whatever, until he saw a, uh, a video on YouTube where a guy was cutting open an alligator in South Carolina and cut the stomach open and found um, a set of dog tags in there. Yeah. Oh, Whoops. Uh-oh. So, <laughs> wow. so he was like, you know, I better start checking these alligators and see what's actually in these alligators' stomachs. So out of curiosity, when this big one, the first one that came in, he uh, cut this one open and he said they found a bullet in it. It wasn't uh, fired. It was a whole round that somebody had dropped over the side or something. He said, I don't know how it got in there. The second alligator, which was harvested out at Eagle Lake, uh, located 15 miles northwest of Vicksburg in Mississippi. It's on the border there. Uh, he said there were a couple of things there. There was some bone. There was some feathers. There was some hair. And there were some rocks. But something caught his eye. And he looked over, and it was what he thought was an arrowhead. And... Uh, oh. He said, I, I don't know. And he said, uh, there's no way this could be an arrowhead. He first thought, that, how could that be? Did it, like, this alligator eat an Indian? Or, you know, <laughs> um, maybe it was shot in the stomach by a native and uh, it got there or something. Um, but anyway, so he pulled him out of there. And then he, as he was looking in there, he found another stone that was in there as well and was like, I have no idea what this is. Well, he took it to an expert. And so he went to this guy, James Starnes, Director of Surface Geology and Surface Mapping at the Mississippi Department of Environmental Quality. 
He examined it, all the stuff and said uh, that both of the things were anywhere between five to 6,000 B.C. Good Lord. Both wow. the items. Uh, he said that he noted the object was not an arrowhead, the first one that he came out, but it was a point uh, that was actually used in a atlatl. So that tells, really? yeah, that was even older yeah. than a bow and arrow. So <laughs> uh, he said uh, it used on the end as an atlatl, uh, as the dart, and uh, they think it's an arrowhead, but it's actually not. And the other bizarre find was a tear-shaped, roughly shaped object one and a half inches in length and both he and the hunter who was permitted to harvest the alligator thought it was something modern like a lead for fishing because there was a hole in it. it's almost like teardrop shaped and it was really heavy well Stearns this same geologist looked at it and said no this is actually known as a plummet which dates back to the late archaic period about 17,000 or 1700 B.C. How is that even getting? How old is this gator? <laughs> I was gonna say. And uh, he said it's weighted because it's made of hematite, uh, an iron oxide traded between early groups, and shines when it's polished. And they still don't know what the purpose of it is. They found many of hmm. them, and they don't know what what the thing is for. If it's just an ambulance, or they used to well, whack other things. If he, if he was here in the state of Florida, somebody would probably arrest him for illegally harvesting artifacts. <laughs> probably. <laughs> Only Bill George, my lord. And, bring, and there it is. But now they, they <laughs> said that, uh, of course, he said, what the hell? Why are these rocks in there? I did not know this. Maybe you did. But alligators, like birds, you know, they do take did in stones and keep them in their stomach to help grind up stuff. They don't have a crawl like a bird does. So it stays I, it stays in the stomach and rolls around. I and, did not know that, but I do know that there's a lot of things that stay in there. They found all kinds of stuff, you know. People people see an alligator on the side of the road or something, they start throwing things at it, it'll catch it. Next thing you know, it swallows it. Yeah. Well uh, they, they said it actually those rocks they'll go to the bottom of a of a of a creek or whatever and they'll take one and, you know, kind of and swallow it up. So I guess he picked a couple of uh, artifacts and decided to carry them around with him. So. Maybe it's like an old battleship or something like that. you got to take on some ballast every now and then. <laughs> keep, them, keep them on the bottom. Uh, <laughs> but this this one gentleman, when he was done with it, they said, this is the strangest thing we found so far before that. He said the weirdest thing I ever found was uh, a piece of cypress in an alligator's stomach. It was 15 inches long. A big, wow. a big chunk of wood. Well, so, well, Shane Shane does carry GMB Gator gear up there. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh well, crap! You know this guy? Yes. Oh well, then make him an offer on that uh, arrowhead. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll have him call in next week. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd like to hear more about it. Uh, Don't the way you know he's doing Bill it. George knows everybody. Well, you know, <laughs> I should have known in the alligator community that a uh, guy who owns a process. You didn't hear about the biggest story. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, but believe it or not, Braden, you know him. Do I? Yep. Wait a minute. That's the same one? Yep. No way. Yeah. Are you sure? You better you better make sure of that before you go uh, traipsing around out there in Mississippi. Hey, <laughs> I know. <laughs> All right. Well, that's cool, man. Yeah, it'd be, so, be great to talk to him again. It's been a while. All right. Well, Melinda's pointing one out, so let me let me go catch him. Get her work. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, catch him up. Yeah, hey, hey, right. we're, running Thanks, st- we're, we're running out of we're running out of stuff. We're running out of stuff. Hey, tell Dylan. Well, what do you mean, tell Dylan? You call Dylan. You tell him. I already talked to him. Okay, bye. Man, you do that stuff bye. off off the air. Crap. 
This is important. It's we're right at the height of alligator season. Are you nuts? And if well, you don't if have Bill stuff, was a good salesperson, he'd be out there servicing the account. But that's not what his job is anymore. Why? Whose job is that? Because Dylan has just wanted to make up the orders, and that way he knows to go. It they they doesn't. I know. She's so pain. <laughs> I know. You know what? Do I, I do come over there and separate you two? No. I do know Shane, and I can't believe it's the same guy. That'd be cool if he calls in next week. Did you see the gator in Ocala? I want a video. No. no. Lady on the paddleboard, this gator came right up to her. He's like, no, no, not today. Oh, yeah. Bit the paddleboard. You saw that? Yeah, and she's like, what are you trying to do? Why, like, are you don't try- don't why, are you, why are you trying to bite me? Uh, talking uh, to it like it's a dog or something. Uh, she pushed it away with the paddle, and the gator's like, oh, no. Turned around and came right back at her. I'd have been like, I'm out. You know what, though? Her commentary was very accurate when she said, obviously, somebody's I mean, been feeding this I, yeah. this alligator yeah, because as, as soon as he yep. saw her right he went her. straight to her like hey it's, it's marshmallow time yep. and you know we we've preached it on this show a million times when you do that you think you're not harming anybody well now you got a little old lady or some lady on what if that had been an eight-year-old on the I, told, yep. I told you about the lady i used to, i used to live off of lake seminole and on our street we had a pond that fed into the lake and at the end of the street this lady like every couple months Miraculously had a new dog. Right. <laughs> like, what happened to Fifi? Oh, I was walking around the lake and uh, the alligator just came and ate him. The gators wait for the dog because she would walk around the lake's edge because she didn't want the dog to pee in her yard or poop in her yard, so she'd walk around the pond and feed it to an alligator. And basically feed it, it to got, the alligator. It, it, it got to the point where the dogs at the shelter would see her walk in and they would all run to the back and cower, <laughs> yeah. cower in the corner. <laughs> it's on. her. We're on the street, man. Witch Hazel's going to throw us in the lake, bro. Well, finally, they pulled the gator out of there. It was like a, I want to say, 14-foot gator. No way. 12-foot. I was, I was eight, bro. It was like 20 feet when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, so it was probably 12. That gator keeps growing running. every year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when he was 14, it was 30-footer. Now he's a little older. It's like, ah, it could have been 12. Yeah. Uh, it might have been. I mean, it looked giant to me when I was a kid, but yeah, it was it was a big boy. I, I agree. When I was a little kid, all alligators looked huge. I don't care if it was yeah. four feet or 14. They were all big. My, my Still to this day, my favorite, one of my favorite videos on, on YouTube is is the girl yelling at the big, black, uh, the big brown bear that's shredding her kayak oh that one bear why are you destroying my kayak that yeah that makes my heart feel good when i watch that it, it just makes you know the mentality of those people that think that somehow or another when you project feelings human emotions and feelings and thoughts onto an animal and somehow Especially you, a bear yeah and you, and you think that they're going to be reasonable about it when you're like you know, I paid a lot of money for that kayak, Mr. Bear. <laughs> that, 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 that's my cooler, Mr. Bear. Please. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Have you guys seen the one, the girl that's in the water swimming and the manatee comes up to her? And she obviously is not from Florida and does not know what a manatee is. I'm freaked out. Yeah, that, yeah. That, that's another one that makes me laugh my head what off. About, what about the dolphin? you seen the dolphin one where he tried to hump a girl? Oh, yeah. <sighs> I don't go on Dolphin, those websites. Dolph- dolphins are uh, sexual predators. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess. I guess they- yep. Yeah, they are. Well, well, the the, girl- the way you were shaking your head kind of scares me, man. Slick, easy there. <laughs> he jumped in the water. Yeah. He was awfully enthusiastic. Dude, as soon as you said there. that, you know, there's well, sexual predators. All of a sudden, I, his head pops up I the window. I can see his laptop. Yep. I, can, uh-huh. I can see his laptop from here, and there's some dolphin porn on there. What? <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Hey, keep on your side of the glass, okay? <laughs> keep your eyes over here, buddy. <laughs> All right, my eyes are up here, not down there on my laptop. 
I have to ask, how do you have this knowledge? Um, At first, I thought it was a joke from King of the Hill. That's where I originally found out about it. There's an episode where Hank Hill gets sexually assaulted by a dolphin. Yep. yep. And then I've there's a, a I'm, I'm glad I missed a, that one. There's a caller for there's an old caller from the Bubba Show that. Well, uh, it was an interview that we did. There was a guy down in South Florida that used to have sex he with a dolphin. Amazing. Yep they uh, they talked about him on the Howard Stern show yeah, as well. That's <sighs> it, it's everywhere. And then I started looking into it, and dolphins are the the only other creature other than humans that will have sex for pleasure. And so they will they will and legitimately so, and kids. There's your wildlife fact of the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I look. I know it's a family show, but things you got to be wa- careful. Dolphins are out there. They're out to get you. That's <laughs> why I'll carry a knife no matter where I go. I mean, the woman, uh, the one that I saw, the woman was. We're going to continue to talk about this on her special time of the day. And the dolphin kept sniffing at her, sniffing at her, and okay. finally tried to hump her. That's okay, good. Yeah, that's all well and good. Braden's like, eh, we're going to go to bed. And now the, now the big and wild has gone straight into the gutter. <laughs> Glenn has literally wrecked his truck. Shock Radio <laughs> is coming back, boys. Hi, Glenn. I hope you're having a good Saturday. I'm going to dispute your theory on the dolphins about them being the only ones because I guarantee you, if you got more than 10 chickens out there, I think they're doing it for the same reasons. Because they're crazy out there. Them chickens, uh, roosters will get kind of nutty. That's not, never mind. The big, and, the big and wild. This is what happens when you leave three uh, semi-grown adults unsupervised. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Shriners wrecked his car as well, I'm sure. All right, it's the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by our good friends over at Brandon Ford. Stay right there. We'll actually talk fishing when we come back. All right, we'll, we'll take a break. Welcome back, everybody. It's Big and Wild Outdoors. Brayden Gunn, Vince Noble, Tom Free, and Slick. We're here in the studio with you this morning. Uh, it's going to be a nice Saturday day. It's going to be kind of nice, as we heard. Bill George already got one gator in the boat. Slowly slipping up alongside of another. They got two tags to fill today out on Lake Hancock, so we hope they get that done pretty quick. Uh, I wanted to bring this up mainly because... You know, if, as, have you ever gone to the IGFA just scrolling through, looking at, um, you know, what the records and stuff are? Uh, anything? You ever done that at all? I, honestly, no. I have not. Some of them are pretty fascinating. You see people that, are like, have caught, you know, like 50-pound uh, or 60-pound uh, swordfish on, like, four-pound test line. Oh and. You know, test line records and things like that. My cousin Dave used to hold the world record for Pacific short bill, short spear bill, some sort of short beer, you know, short bill. Spit it out, man. Spit it it out. out. Short build fish, you know, out there in the Pacific. (laughs) I can't say it. But yeah, so yeah. But But there's like a billion and a half, there's a billion and a half fish out there. And records for fish you would never Never think they would keep keep records. Yeah, and the other one is, is like, uh, what in the heck is a blankety blank fish or whatever? I mean, it's like, oh no, it's a world record. I guess you can go in a bar and go, yeah, I got the world record uh, tsunami fish. uh, (laughs) It's located only in one subtropical area of the Philippines. Uh, You know, it's, I got the world record. How big is it? 1.7 ounces. (laughs) <laughs> it's a huge record. Caught it on some kite string. Uh, but 
the FWC announced three new saltwater fishing records this past week. The FWC officially approved these all tackled saltwater fishing records were caught in the state during the spring and summer of 2021. Okay, you ready? Now, when I say record fish, what are you thinking? What kind of fish are you thinking? I'm thinking, I mean, obviously, grouper, AJ, red. I mean, something. My mind usually goes to, because when I was a little kid, and I'd uh, go down to the docks in Kima in uh, Texas and see these guys pull these, you know, 1,100-pound, you know, uh, swordfish and I mean just you know monster you're, I mean marlins like big yeah. giant sportfish yeah, yeah. I mean I'm thinking I'll always think of that well this one gentleman Sidney Little he has uh, now the proud owner of the record Gulf Kingfish hmm. well, how big that, would that be a whiting aha yeah. that's what I was waiting for yeah. that's, that's not a kingfish kingfish but, but a right there but a Gulf Kingfish otherwise known as Whiting or, or Southern King too. Southern King, uh, White King oh, yeah. on Indian White Rocks. Red on fish. Indian Rocks Beach, growing up, they were Whiting, and that's the that's only all, that's the that's only proper name. Do, for them. That's yeah. what we always called them down in on Riviera Bay. They were all Whiting. Uh, they're, yeah, they're still there, plenty. Are they really? Oh yeah, dude, I go there a lot. What are you catching? Are you catching any? Or are you shrimp? just looking at them? No, really? I'm catching the most shrimp. You need to let Bart know that. Uh, on April seventh, while fishing at uh, Santa Rosa Beach in the state Panhandle. How much do you think this whopper was? This new state record whiting. Three pounds. It's a monster. Three pounds. Mm, That's I'm going to say giant. two pounds. Two pounds is a giant. So. Yeah. 2.8 pounder. Ooh. So just under three just pounds, that, my that's friend. A, wow. That's a, I, I didn't even know they could even get that big. You know, it's like silver trout. You know, if you catch one that's about uh, 16 inches, it's like, I'm getting this mounted. It's got to be a record. That's a good eating weight well, right there. Yeah, uh, so 2.8 pounds, which topped the previous uh, Gulf King record of 2.3? 2. 2. 2.4. Wow, good job. I'm on, the, I'm on the ball today. 2.4. Uh, that was set earlier this year, believe it or not. So this must be a record growth year for whiting. Uh, Joseph Peckman got that one. That's the IGFA all time record, all tackle record for Gulf Kingfish is. And where did he kill? Is what? I would say 2.6. All, po- no, this oh, is all, an all time. Oh, all time. This is the big leader. 3-2. 3-2? Three, three, three pounds, point, 2 ounces. Two ounces. Okay. 3 pounds, 13 ounces. Ooh, good God. God, that Caught by Cure Beach up in North Carolina okay. in 2020. Okay, first off, who, who in God's name even thinks about going, holy crap, I got this warning, let me make it a record. Well, you Who know what? About that? Well, you know what? You, you fished them all your life as a kid. Yep. You fished them all your life as a kid. I fished them all my life as a kid. You know well enough that if it's over two pounds, you're like going, "I'm eating, dude." Yeah, I'm, <laughs> this all is I'm thinking big... about is how 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 much uh, how much I'm going to enjoy eating that. Well, stuff. that's, that's what, four I mean, tacos right there. Yeah. But that, <laughs> that's my first thought. But your second thought is. Dude, that was a big one. I mean, that was, uh, you know, you don't find them that that big. So, yeah, so you would know. Uh, hang on a second. Also, the FWC reported that the uh, Florida saltwater record for scamp. Come on. Are we really doing scamp? Was set by uh, Mark Gibner uh, fishing on June 11th near Johns Pass Marina in Pinellas County. He uh, caught this uh, scamp. Guess how much? 
I got nothing. You're the number? Come on. Seven pounds. 29.6 pounds. Scam. Over by John's pass? By beat, J- beat the previous record of 28.38. I mean, he, they, that has to be a coming in on, on a boat that was offshore. There's no way that. Uh, well, no. There's he some, caught that. There's he, some Goliaths over there. He too. caught yeah. one. It was right there. But uh, the previous record was held by Braden Purcell. Wow. Caught it in April 2002. The IGFA all-time tackle record for Scop is? 30, 30.5. 34. 32. Mm. Caught on June 2nd, over. 2016 by Theodore Wigfield of Atlantic now, Beach, North months, Carolina. Were all these months the same summertime months, too? June 11th is when he caught that one, and April was when they caught so the- So that uh, spring, summer, spring. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That makes, yeah, that makes sense. sense. And uh, last but not least, the third one to be officially put in the record books by the uh, by the FWC, Anthony Matitsky. Uh, filled the vacant spot category. That's the one you really want to find. You want to see where there's not one for a record with that one. For the, which you want to say, what the heck? For the schoolmaster. <laughs> there's a record for that? Schoolmaster Snapper. There is now. Yeah, the schoolmaster Snapper, <laughs> which uh, opened its record books only in June, uh, January 1st, 2019. So it's only been available as a record for the last two years or so. So anyway, he's got to be first. So uh, he <laughs> caught this one, and this is a real keeper. Three pounds. Two pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Zero seven pounds. Schoolmaster was caught in Broward County near Fort Lauderdale in July of 2021. The all tackle IGFA Schoolmaster snapper record is four pounds four no. pounds six ounces come on man these things eat good 13 pounds four ounces good lord well From, you know uh, what pinellas county in florida i'm going to challenge you right now let's go out and get the world record for let's say ready ready the needlefish. Ah. <laughs> Atlantic needlefish or, uh, yeah. yeah. the houndfish. <laughs> the houndfish. Or unless you got to get specific. Or, or, or the, or the, uh, <laughs> the dog You know fish. what? I guarantee you there's one in there. I guarantee if we look in the IGFA. We're going to have to go look now. But uh, this one, the uh, the uh, schoolmaster was taken out of North Key Largo, Florida, September 3rd, 1999. That's the all-time record um, by Gustav Pla. I wonder if he's related to Glenn Pla. But uh, the catch was not recognized by the FWC as a Florida record uh, for the species since it occurred before the state record books were opened. So now that the new state record book is open, it's open. The one to beat is a little over two pounds. I, I got. It. I mean, FWC, stop worrying about the freaking state records and go get me a count on the Goliath grouper, please. Oh yeah, so we can go out there and do a little uh, powerhead. Exactly. That would be nice. That's what I want to do. I just want to know how many turkeys and deer there are in the state. Just a simple question. They're about the same as Goliath Creeper. What? There's two? Maybe. Maybe less. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I think there's. I think the only named. Uh, there's only named Goliath Creepers left in the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, you can't kill Big Al. <laughs> and speaking of Big Al, Al, how you doing this morning, my friend? Good morning, fellas. Hey, hey. Uh, you can't be. You can't be talking about my dolphin sex. <laughs> oh, great imitation. That's beautiful. Jeez, <laughs> don't bring that in, man. What are you doing? Yeah, I had to dust off the Hank Hill. Oh, yeah, well, that was a good one. That was a real good one. I wish it would have been a little different subject matter, but okay, go for it. <laughs> hey, appreciate you guys bringing a little levity to this otherwise somber day. So Yeah, we tried. I mean, we- call and thank you. 
it's we we, we we talked about it at the beginning of the show and uh as I as I said you know it's it's a sad day and we'll never forget it at least we hope we never everybody forget doesn't forget it but uh as, as GW said you know we got to we got to keep moving we got to keep going and doing our things man just never forget and let's just not never let it happen again and, yep absolutely yeah. it's, it's one of those one of those days, and we'll definitely live in infamy. It's, it's my dad. It would have been my dad's 80th birthday. He's a he was a retired Navy chief, and he was always pissed off on his birthday ever since then because they ruined his birthday. <laughs> and a mad Navy chief <laughs> is probably not a guy you want to be around. There could be no, a lot. Of, and you, def, you definitely don't want to be his kid. <laughs> all I can envision is uh, Robert De Niro. Exactly. That's all I can envision uh, right now. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, the I'm Robert trying, De Niro. The I'm Robert. The Robert De Niro that the M- that the MPs were uh, dragging out of the, the bar—that's the one I the picture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny. You you mentioned that. I I got uh, I almost got into a fist fight at my daughter's basketball game because <laughs> a, a dad from our team was was drunk and heckling our team so bad we were losing pretty badly, and he was just like. I was like, hey, great Santini, you think you're helping? Great <laughs> Santini. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, we're all we're squaring off in the bleachers. The whole every the game stopped, the referees are looking. It's like, oh God, this isn't a good look. Did he even understand the the reference of the great Santini at all or no? Oh, no, no, no. He's, you, got, you gotta be an old dude. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I mean got Vince got, <laughs> I it. got it. Tom got it. <laughs> Slick. Slick, do you know what the great Santini <laughs> is? Uh, no, off the top of my head. Yeah, go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. I'm busy making you I, look like a hero. Yeah, I know you are. Go ahead. But uh, I used the, uh, I used the uh, rise and shine split tail line one time on my daughter, and my wife told me I was never allowed to do that again. Yeah, well, there's there always seems to be one, you know, and it's it's, it's one of those things, man. But are you working today, or are you staying at home? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm I'm out there doing it, man. I don't know what else to do. You know, I got to work on these days. Are you but, down? Uh, are yeah. you down? Are you down by the park? Are you down there by the? Uh, you're gonna be down by the park. I wonder if there was anything gonna be happening down there today, down around. There's uh, there's nothing. There was yesterday, not today. You know, all the flags are flying. It's actually uh, I know we don't say the Q word in this profession, but it's uh, pretty mellow so far. You know. Yeah. One of those days where you pack an extra mag and. And uh, hope for the best. Yeah, well, I'm with you on that one, man. Well, thank you for all that you do, and yes, uh, thanks for raising uh, some wonderful kids and for sticking it up and using great lines like "Hey, great Santini, chill it out." <laughs> <laughs> I like that one. All right, boys, we'll talk to you soon. All, all right, right buddy, man, be going. safe. Uh, <laughs> That's uh, all I can imagine was that right there, boy, Robert De Niro, just tearing some butt up, boy. That was a great movie. That was, an awesome movie. that was an awesome movie. I mean, my kid watched that one. I'm gonna have to watch it again this weekend, just yeah. because. And even though I, I'm not a real big fan of his political views or anything else like that, the guy is one heck of an actor. I will that get is true. And if he stuck to that, we'd all be good. That's, all, that's all what good. I'm going with. Yeah, I mean, it's like a you know, it's like Dale Earnhardt. What do you do, Dale? I drive. I drive a left. I'm a driver. <laughs> I'm a driver. So what do you think about him? I don't know nothing about it unless it's underneath and it's got four wheels on top of it. I don't know nothing about it. You know what? That's the way to live life. What was that? Slick's giving us the uh, the incognito shut the hell up sign. Yeah, that kind of got really loud really quick. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors brought to you by our good friends over Brandon Ford. Hey, we'll be back.
Celtic do the same thing with that. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. Braden, Vince, Tom, Free, and uh, Slick. We're all hanging out with you this morning on this uh, somber 9-11 day, trying to bring a little levity into your lives without forgetting what this day actually means. That's something I think that you should share with your family, especially your children. Uh, if you have uh, kids that are in uh, public school, uh, and maybe even private school, they just don't teach your kids uh, what they need to know about what this day actually means and what happened and exactly what it what it what it did, because uh, I talked about it in the first hour. You know, meeting a young lady who's twenty years old who knew about as much about nine uh, eleven as uh, the making of a cheeseburger. Uh, you know, uh, and that's sad. I mean, the school system should do better than that. Well, and I, I but I blame parents parents for that the most too. part i mean if you're going to pass on that knowledge i think that that's probably one of the reasons why um generations that followed after uh let's say vietnam or whatever our parents you know told us what our grandfathers and grandparents went through and what your uncle billy went through or what your cousin jake had to go through or whatever it is so uh, you could ask Cousin Jake or whatever about his experiences. I literally yesterday sat down with an old guy. Uh, I guess he wouldn't be mad if I said his name, but his name was Bob Johnson. And uh, he was an old helicopter pilot in Vietnam. He's 80-something now. And uh, uh, he was the one who was instrumental in bringing the Huey and helicopters out to the uh, Sun and Fun fly-in. And his helicopter is the one that ended up out at the memorial out there off of 301. He's the one that got it mounted up on a pedestal. But he was an uh, and he was a combat uh, Huey pilot. He wasn't a guy who flew in and picked up guys unless he really had to. They were there. He had he was that guy you see in the movies with twin miniguns, one on either side. You know, rocket pods underneath it, and the and, Rolling Stones playing in the background, and double and double, and, and double gore, uh, door gunners on either side. So, I mean, this was a gunship that he flew, and um, to be able to spend that much time with him as his memory faded and he couldn't remember names and and dates, but everything else around that was crystal clear in his mind, and to. Um, have the privilege of him to sit there and just tell me stories for an hour was just amazing. I think I sat there for an hour and 20 minutes with a smile on my face that would just not go away. And I pointed out one thing to him. I said, I said, Bob, did you notice when you were talking about your rocket pods and you were going through the thing where you were flying with the emus, he was with the Taipans uh, attack squad, and he had these others that were next door to him. And he, as he was describing the, the events that were happening within the helicopter, I noticed his his index finger and the way he was holding his hand on the, the on trigger the, finger and his trigger his trigger <laughs> finger was going off i go you're 80 something years old and your muscle memory is still as you're describing this is still firing off rounds That's and doing amazing. all and uh he said did i do that i went i was just sitting here watching it. and he goes well i guess i did do that i didn't even realize <laughs> i could do that yeah, and, but, I love listening to those those guys. Well, I mean, those are the kinds of things that stick in your mind that can be carried on to somebody who never met Bob Johnson. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm saying is your experiences for 9-11 may be totally different than Vince's or Tom's right. or Slick's. I mean, he was a kid. I was at work. You were sick. He, I mean, but we all saw the same things, but we experienced it differently. And I think that it's important that your kids and your grandkids understand not only what you were feeling, 
but what your parents or the person next to you was going through and what it means to you. I don't care which side of the fence you're on politically or whatever the hell you want to do, but that story needs to be told. And it needs to be told in your way to your kids in a way to where they want to know more about it. Because if just, they're asking you questions about it, then they've got their attention. If they walk over and go, okay, I'm going to go play Battlefront, then you've, 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 you've pretty much lost them. I just don't want to hear the conspiracy theory part of it because that just sends me over the edge. It doesn't really matter. It happened. It, it, I mean, you could take conspiracy and throw it in there, too. It doesn't change the fact that it happened. People died. Right. And, and, the, and the consequences of what happened afterwards have not changed. So whether it was George Bush in there blowing up toilets <laughs> or whatever it is you want to put behind there, it doesn't matter because once those buildings were hit and once they fell, those events can never change. And that's what I'm talking about. That whole thing shook the world. Who's first day on radio? Tom's. Now it was my alarm because it, not it. It, it is. <laughs> well, I had I have a, a series of alarms set, and uh, uh, at uh, eight forty six, this was uh, the first hit. Was when the first okay. uh, American okay. Airlines flight eleven this. went uh, into the North Tower. So well, now don't you feel a, bad? No, we've uh, <laughs> we've officially uh, you know. Uh, this so it was has the begun. Yeah, those yeah. that was so the now first. it started. Yeah, <laughs> we all I looked had, out the window. I and like I said, the stories. Uh, the stories that you're talking about, hearing the stories of people, I have the stories of guys that were not just you. I've got your story typed up, ready to go for this thing that I, I've done. We talked about before the show, um, but the, some of the guys, some of the guys still get contacted. Uh, the Schnitt, uh, Todd Schnitt, Schnitt Show. Yeah, he still gets people who message him and talk to him about the the today when it happened 20 years ago when he was on air all day. Yeah, Shriner mm-hmm. was uh, on air. Shriner was on air. Yeah, Pat, Pat George, he was over at a Q105. Uh, he was yeah. on Q105. He was over at Disney doing stuff too, and uh, you know people. They oh, were that's called. right. He was at Disney Radio then. Yeah, yeah that's and right. The the amount of detail that these guys tell of that moment is surreal. Because it's not just like, oh, well, you know, I was here, kind of. No, it's like, I was doing this. This is what happened next. It's like they're writing out their life story. It's, I can tell you crazy. what was, I can tell you exactly what was in front of me when I was sitting in the studio. I had my, my I had the computer screen up and I was editing my sports. I had a Mountain Dew can sitting here and a spit cup right next to it. <laughs> and I was sitting right there and I remember I took my headphones off, put them on my thigh. And I just, we'd just taken a break and I put my headphones down on my thigh. And that's when Rita came walking back in. She goes, hey, I just got this news flash that just came down that a plane had hit the uh, World Trade Center, which was 30, 40 seconds ago and uh, at 8.47. So, um, and uh, we were all like, just like, uh, a plane? What is that? That's that's nuts. How do you do that? I mean, they're big, giant, shiny metal buildings. I mean... Is it foggy there? And then once they showed the TV and it's crystal right, blue. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big thing when I first yeah. saw it. And I saw it there was, was like, bright blue skies. I was I'm like, like, how yeah, in the world that's, did you? Yeah. If I, could, I could see if it was bad weather. But that, that, that kind of put that, it in the back of my head. And then, of course, when the second plane flies in, yeah. I think we all knew. The that was on purpose. Yeah. That's exactly what I said on there. I go, that was on purpose. That was not. And then we started talking. I think the second thing I said after that, and they said, we're under attack. And this and the other thing I said, uh. Well, welcome to Israel, because the airports are going to be just like it is yeah. when you go through Israel well, now, and, and it did. Yeah, and after that, right. and after that second flight, when they started talking about how they had lost contact with other other airliners, you know, the thought that pops into your is how many more of these are, are there? flying around. That was forget, the other thing. Don't forget yeah. the Pentagon too. I mean, yeah, the, the, Pentagon the Pentagon getting whacked. Yeah. yeah, but that was uh, Tom had a good point because I think that uh, Lester was the brainiac who came up with that one in the room and said. 
Do you know how many? Because he's a pilot. You know, I mean, he did air, uh, he did all of his traffic reports from airplanes in California and here and everywhere else. And he's like, do you know how many airplanes are in the sky at any given moment around the world? It's scary to think about it. There's hundreds of thousands yeah, there, of planes. There, there are websites you can go on and pull up all the air traffic control. And you wonder how they don't shows, hit each other. It shows all the, the flights that are that are in the air at any one time. And you're like you said, it's amazing that they just they aren't bumping to each other left Most and right. Most stressful job in the world is the air traffic controller. I, you know, Gary Guy, do you know him? He was a firefighter over in Tampa. Gary Guy. He I, was, I do not know him. He um, he is the one who introduced me to that website and uh, where you can track your you know, Vince is flying in. You can look up the flight number, and it'll actually show you where it is in the country coming in. And it's amazing. You look at all these dots flying around. You're like, how are they not just bumper carring up there? But regardless of that, I mean, when that happened, I think Lester was one that said, there are hundreds of thousands of planes in the air right now. This is only two. How many more of those are going to be hitting? I mean, they remember Disney World did the yeah. freak out. Disneyland did everybody the freak did. out. Everybody. I mean, everybody was doing the. You know, is there a plane headed to Disney World? Is there a plane headed to uh, Stadium? Is there a plane headed? I mean, I was waiting for Honeywell to get hit right there at Elmerton Road. Don't they, give don't... them any ideas, you idiot. It's just out there. Now you're going to say, you know, uh, you know, General Dynamics or whatever. I hate Aren't you. they right down the road, too? I really hate you right now. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Hour number. Are we? Is this top of the hour, or are you, or are you just going early? What are you doing? No, we've got to. We got to hit another break. We got a short, uh, short break coming up. We've got like a few minutes before we're going. So to I go should right. just stop talking and yeah. let you do. Okay. All right, we're going to take a break. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Brought to you by Brandon Ford. So I'm sure you heard the news. Social media sites are cracking down on private firearm sales. So if you're looking to sell or buy a new or used gun or even looking to trade, do it the right way and head over to Deer Hunter Guns. Dan and his crew will give you top dollar for your used firearm, plus give you the best trade-in value if you're looking to upgrade. Deer Hunter Guns is doing it the legal way and can help you find what you're looking for. Or take that used rifle, pistol, or shotgun off your hands the legal way so you have peace of mind. Knowing your firearm isn't going to a complete stranger. Go sell your firearms to your friends at Deer Hunter Guns. Stop by today and get the best deal. 2797 Gulf to Bay Boulevard, across from the original Hooters. DeerHunterGuns.com Welcome back, everybody. It is the Big and Wild Outdoors. Uh, Braden, Vince, Tom Free, and Slick in the studio with you today. Uh, you know, talking a little bit off the air, as we always do, and uh, talking about how our attitudes have changed. Of course, we, we kind of, you know, you, you forget about, uh, you know, the Pentagon and all the folks who went down in, in Pennsylvania, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, that uh, went down fighting. Got to give them credit. And then if you've ever not, you should have your children watch Flight 93 so that they understand what was uh, going on on that plane. But it it changed everything in my way of thinking every time I got on a plane. <clears throat> Even when we were uh, chartered, you know, with the uh, Buccaneers flying around all over the country. Uh, but I remember my brother and I, we were flying out. Um, I think that's one of the trips we were going to Wyoming. And... Um, we did things that normally you would not do, uh, you know, with the way that the security and everything was set up back then. 
you know, we made sure that we both had uh, ballpoint pens in our pockets. We both made sure that when we sat down, we asked for a seatbelt extender. We, uh, you know, we did all these weird things and people around us are like going, well, you know, they're kind of giving you the hairy eyeball. And you're thinking, because as you said during the break, Tom Free, if some guy stands up and yells uh, a phrase that I don't understand, it's not going to be, do we wait and see what happens or uh, get the uh, drink cart and try to smash in? It ain't going to happen, Captain. And I think that a lot of, I heard a flight attendant, they still do this to this day. When they're looking you up and down, when you come on to the flight, they're not only looking at you as uh, what you may be carrying or what you're at or what your attitude or your body language is telling. They're also looking for able-bodied personnel that they may be able to move into another area of the plane to act as security, whereas you could just be a big body in the way. I had women, a couple of flights where me and my brothers were sitting, we were sitting next to each other, and she goes, hey, would you guys mind moving for me? And we're like, what do you mean? She's like, could you... Could you <laughs> sit? Could, yeah, you could you sit on this side by the emergency exit, and could you sit on that side by the emergency exit? And we went, if that's where you want us to be, that's where we'll be. She goes, do you think you could handle that door? Anything else that might happen? We're like, oh, we got you. Don't you worry. She goes, okay, <laughs> you sit there. You sit day. there. Yeah. Anytime um, I've gone on a plane, I I, I always ask uh, the, the extension. You can use that as a weapon if yep. you need it. Seatbelt extension can be Pass. used for handcuffs. Pass. It I can be a, used uh, for uh, all kinds of good, lovely. Devices. Mo- moving forward, I had a a customer whose whose daughter was the flight attendant who stopped Richard Reed from lighting the fuse on his uh, in his shoe on his shoe, and uh, you know that uh, that young flight attendant she uh, that was her last flight because she couldn't get back on a plane after that. Wow! And uh, her mother, I remember her mother coming in and telling us a story about what her daughter had done, and you're just like, you know, to it's one thing to sit here. And say this is what I would have done, but it's a sure. whole other you don't thing know what you're to have do. been there and 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 well, and, you got this young lady jump on a on a on a on a big guy trying to light a fuse coming out of his tennis shoe. Well, you got to understand that those people on Flight 93, as well as anybody else, they're from the the hijack generation, you know, where you had some guys who uh, would say we're taking this plane to Cuba, and they would get off. You'd spend a few hours down in Cuba while they negotiated. You'd be on a flight and you'd be back in Miami in like you know eight or twelve hours. So just ride it out. You know, do what you got to do. Don't make anybody mad. And they'll get their $2 million, and uh, Fidel will get his cut, and everything will be fine. So they didn't. But when they – you notice that they didn't even have a plan to fight back until they started making phone calls. And once they started making phone calls, and people are going, you know, hey, you know, Vince, they're crashing planes into buildings, and I think you're on one of those. And then that's when it spread around. They go, then we got to do something. Because We're otherwise, going, if I'm going at that point, if I'm going, I'm going down fighting. Yeah, because otherwise they were just going to be like, ah, oh, they're going to take us somewhere. You know, there's a bomb on board, and we're going to uh, land, and you know, everything will be calm. Just remain in your seats. That is gone away forever. Yeah. That's the way of the dodo. And I don't care who you are on that plane. You start acting a fool like that, and you say something like that. Just be prepared to have about 900 pounds of meat piled on top of you. And it doesn't matter what. Race, religion, person you are. I don't Heck know. no. It's going, yeah. I don't, you know, I mean, uh, I hate to say it, but, you know, even a little skinny woman who stands up and she says the wrong things on there, man, things are going to get tight. <laughs> Real quick. Real tight. All right. Hour number three is right around the corner. Yeah, it's, going by? it's going by pretty fast. Did you bring food? What is that? Is that just for you? I mean, I can share it. I oh, mean, you are such pieces. a... 
It's the Big and Wild Outdoors. We miss you, Jonathan. Miss my Wawa's on Saturday. It you just big... got spoiled. That's what you're doing. Yeah, you can, you can run out in the parking lot and find a duck or a squirrel. Damn yeah. right I could. There's my scobies right There's there, buddy. There's tons of squirrels right over here in these pine trees. All right, we're going to take a break. Brought to you by Brandon Ford. We'll be right back.